So again, thank you for joining the Get Me Ready to Buy podcast. I am here today with Tanya Crehan, who is a financial advisor, planner. She'll tell us in a minute exactly her title with Thrivent. And uh, she's a friend of mine. We go to church together. My wife and I have worked with her youngest son in our preschool ministry in our church. Uh, she's a, a mom, a wife, a professional soccer player who is a, a two consecutive years champions on her team uh, with Memphis Americans. Uh, and um, she's just, you know, a good friend. So and she's involved in the community in DeSoto County and the different cities around here providing leadership and stuff. So I asked Tanya on here today to talk a little bit about getting you ready to buy a home, what it takes financially. She's not a lender, so we'll, have, we'll talk to a lender in a future episode, but the prepping yourself to get ready, uh, all about credit score, money, and all that kind of stuff, why it's important. Buying a home is exciting, but the process can be overwhelming. Trying to understand all of the paperwork, financing, and what you need to do can be stressful. Without knowing what you're doing or where things stand, it's hard to move forward, or worse, you can make a mistake that costs you thousands of dollars. That's where the Get Me Ready to Buy podcast hosted by Jeff Jones comes in. Jeff is a realtor, coach, and entrepreneur. He helps take the guesswork out of home buying by providing you with the details, resources, and professionals that make the process easier to understand so you can successfully buy your next home with confidence. Now here's Jeff. So Tanya, before you jump into that, Anything else about you that you would like uh, our listeners and those that are watching the video podcast uh, to know about you? Uh, no, I think you kind of summed it up. Uh, I would say overall, I'm just really passionate about financial education. I think it's really important. Um, I think it affects our lives more than we would like it to. Um, if you just think about you driving or going to work today, you, you had to have gas in your car, a vehicle, some sort of transportation. Um, maybe you ate breakfast at home. Maybe you have a habit of going out to eat in the morning. All of those things add up to make up our cash flow and all of those things are what a lot of what we'll talk about today um, is just kind of what are we doing with our habits? What are we doing with our money? And what could we be doing to do things a little bit better? Okay. So let's say somebody came to you and they said, hey, one of our financial goals is to buy a house. Mm -hmm. uh, where are you going to start in a conversation with them? Honestly, we would start with, okay, how long have you been working? Um, that's one of the criteria for owning a home or financing for a house is um, the length of your basically employment. Uh, a lender is typically going to be looking for two years of consistent income when it comes to being able to buy a house. If you are a business owner, uh, that sometimes can be very tough because a lot of times when you're a business owner, sometimes you're, you are um, reducing your income or taxable income by uh, having quite a few expenses. So maybe you don't report that you make a lot of money. So it's important now if you're thinking about buying a house to think about, okay, how much income am I reporting on my taxes? Because that's going to dictate the size and the payment of the house that you'll be able to buy. 
Yeah, I, I totally get that. Being a realtor and being a 1099 contract, <laughs> I don't get a W-2. Nobody's holding taxes out on me. It's basically as I'm a self-employed business owner as yeah. a realtor, um, not sales working for a company somewhere that's paying me a salary. So it yeah. does get it does get tricky out there, you know, because a lot of times these independent contractors have significant expense just for operating their business. So just because they may bring in, you know, six figure gross income doesn't mean that's what's getting reported, you know, to the IRS. So, uh, you know, it's, it is, I think it's easier for somebody who is employed somewhere else to possibly qualify to get a home if they've got a decent salary, as opposed to somebody who um, generates a lot of revenue owning their own business, but has a lot of expenses so they can reduce those taxes. It's kind of a, a difficult thing there. So, yeah, as always, it's a catch 22 when it comes to taxes and income, because um, I, I don't know anyone that loves to pay taxes. I do think right. it's important um, in regards to we live in a civilized society and those things pay for that. Um, but overall, when it comes to the, what the lender is looking at. They're looking at your ability to pay a mortgage because they're going to give you hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so um, essentially they're getting a snapshot of, okay, do you have consistent income? And then I know next we're going to talk eventually about your credit and how that affects things and what that looks like. Okay. Well, go ahead and talk about that. What, you know, you know that, that one of the things that you're going to be asking them as a financial planner is how long have you been working? Because that's what a lender is going to want to know. But the lender is also going to be taking a look at credit report and credit score. So what would you, what advice would you give somebody that's, um, that has that question? Yeah. Each lender is going to be different in regards to their requirements for um, what they are looking for. So that fluctuates a little bit. But I would say overall, a typical lender is if you are in the 720 and above credit score, a lender is typically going to give you, quote unquote, the best rates that they have. Um, and so... That is, you know, I think a lot of times today we, we see credit scores and we think it says something about who you are as a person. No, um, I don't believe that's true. I, you need credit in order to um, buy a house, buy a car. And what credit is, is basically a history or a record of do you pay your bills on time? How much credit do you have? Um, is do you have no credit history? So unfortunately, when it comes to credit, uh, a lot of times it takes credit to make credit. Um, so it, if you're just starting out, haven't bought a house, um, perhaps uh, getting a credit card and then having the plan to pay it off every single month would be a good opportunity. If you already have a credit card and you're starting to build your credit history, um, the next thing that reports the most favorably besides a house is an auto loan. So if you have an auto loan, that will report favorably for you. Because if you think about what the lender is looking for, a house is hundreds of thousands of dollars. A car 
you know, car prices these days are pretty expensive. Right. $30,000, $50,000, perhaps more, perhaps less. Uh, but again, you're showing the lender that you have the ability to take out credit and then continue to pay it down. Okay. If, um, if somebody doesn't have credit, I know that you said, you know, get a credit card, make sure you're paying that off every month. What if somebody does have uh, some debt on their credit cards? They're not paying, you know, they're paying a minimum monthly balance. They're not paying the whole thing off every month. Um, if they're looking for a home, uh, from your perspective, is it uh, suggested that they pay everything off as quickly as they can in the process of trying to get a house? Yeah, um, unfortunately, credit's a little <laughs> funny. If you pay off all your credit cards at once, typically that will actually lower your credit score in that given moment. So there are five things that go into a credit score. Um, one of the best ways that you can help your credit, first of all, is just paying on time. So just continuing not to have a 30, 60, 90 day late, um, that's the first thing and probably one of the things that you're in the most control of. Um, the next thing is the amount of credit that you are utilizing. So it's called credit utilization. So as an example, if you have a visa and um, you have a credit limit of $1,000, but you're only using, we'll say $300 of that, you know, that's you're utilizing 30% of that credit. So essentially what that tells the lender is that at any given point in time, you have credit available to you, but you're not using it. Um, so in comparison, if the lender is looking at two applications and somebody has each have credit cards and credit history, but maybe one person is using all of their credit and the other person is using maybe half 30% of their credit, and everything else is equal. Well, th what that tells the lender is that the person that's using all of their credit, their cash flow may not be as beneficial, or maybe they are not utilizing their credit or their cash as beneficially as they could be. Um, so, so please don't get me wrong. I think it's very easy to accumulate credit cards. Uh, I think that's, you know, we're a swipe and go society. Um, I think it's much harder to implement a plan of discipline and to say, I'm not going to use my credit cards anymore. I'm going to start paying them down and pay the minimum and start to lower those balances. Because when it comes to buying a house, what that lender is looking for is essentially your debt to income ratio is one of the other things that they look at. And so if you make $5,000 a month, and you, your bills, your credit card bills, your rent bill, your, you know, your auto loan, and say they're twenty five hundred, your debt to income is fifty percent, and so depending on the lender will dictate what they are okay with when it comes to a debt to income ratio, and then they're going to also factor factor in if you were to assume a new payment. How does that also affect your debt to income ratio? 
Yeah. So basically, if you're going to buy a house, don't just decide on your own. You know what you're doing and go and take on a whole lot of debt or pay all of your debt off so that you don't have any debt. Um, get with a financial planner, get with a lender you want to work with and follow their advice. You know, right. Um, yeah. that, that, that the reason that lender is important is because they can help you uh, not make mistakes that are going to delay you being able to buy a home or maybe even wreck a deal that you already have under contract. You know, you got smart and goes, well, I just want to pay everything off. And it's like, no, that ruined everything. Your interest rate, you know, you mentioned the, the higher credit scores getting the better rates. Those lower credit scores are going to get a higher interest rate, which is going to take more money per month, which is going to increase that debt to income ratio because it's a higher payment, even though it's the same price house. Correct. Uh, so yeah. get and with a lender, get with a financial planner, follow their advice, and then you're getting ready to buy a house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I would also say if you're like trying to pay down credit cards, those kinds of things to help your debt to income ratio, um, don't close that card. That yeah. can also unfortunately affect your credit um, poorly. Uh, those cr with credit, your oldest trade lines, meaning Visa, Discover, MasterCard, all of those, those are called trade lines. Um, those are the ones that are reporting the longest for you. So if you close that card, it's no longer reporting that credit history for you. And essentially, it can also lower your utilization. So that um, ability that how much you have available to you, and that can also affect your credit score poorly. And just to be clear, credit scores range from 300, 350, um, all the way to 850. Hey, thank you for hanging with the Get Me Ready to Buy podcast so far. You need to know how ready you are to buy a home, so get your score at readytobuyscore.com. You'll pick a few statements, get an email telling you what your score is and what you need to focus on to get ready to buy a home. If I can help you in my market, which is the Mid-South, the Memphis metro area, please let me know. If you're in another market, I've got agents all over the country and in a few countries around the world. Reach out to me and I'll connect you with one of our agents who can help you get your home bought wherever you are. Now, back to the show. There are three credit bureaus and each lender decides to, which one they're going to use. Um, the credit bureaus look at credit a little bit differently, but usually if you can see your blend of the three credit scores, Equifax, TransUnion, um, they will essentially give you a good idea of where you're at. So I would say anything above 720, you're getting, you know, good rates. Anything in the middle, you know, it might be a, a little lower than what an individual that has a higher credit score and how that affects you long-term is you will essentially pay more interest long-term with a higher interest rate. Yeah. And, and talking about those credit scores, uh, most of the lenders that I'm aware of, they really don't start helping anybody with a loan until they're at like at 620. I do know there's some that are like, that can do like 585, but that's, I don't know anybody any lower than 585. You may be aware of some. I don't. I don't know, uh, but that's where it would have to be, maybe a bank loan or something. You've got a good relationship with a bank that they'll give you a 
a five-year loan balloon payment amortized over 30 years, but you've got a few years to get your credit built up, get your cash built up, and then convert that to long-term financing. Any other options that you're aware of? Um, yeah, that's dictated by the lender. You could lock in. Um, there is something called an adjustable rate mortgage. Um, they are beneficial if you think that you're just going to be in your house for a short period of time because you lock in at a lower rate, but you have to be really careful because once that adjustable rate mortgage ends, it balloon payments typically. It's based on the interest rates. It could make your payment go up. So that is one way to think about locking in a lower rate. You can also pay points um, where you come to the table with money up front and that will permanently lower your interest rate throughout the life of your loan. But it's only beneficial to pay points if you think you're going to be in your house long term. So that's a little bit of a different math equation. Not a good idea to pay points, have that pay that money up front, and then you're only going to be in your house for two or three years. Typically, the math does not work out on that. So. Yeah. And you mentioned the adjustable rate mortgages. <clears throat> I get questions all the time of, you know, are we going to have a market crash, you know, like we had in 08? And, you know, and I wasn't in real estate back then. I don't think you were in financial planning back then uh, to experience all of that. You may have been, I just don't think that you were. Um, but back then, one of the factors that led to that were the adjustable rate mortgages, from what I saw, made up more than 30% of the mortgages that are that were out there. So when they came due and the market, the whole economy had tanked, people couldn't make those balloon payments and they lost those houses and it led to massive foreclosures. Well, today... The last statistics I saw, adjustable rate mortgages are only three or four percent of the mortgages that are out there. There's just yeah. they're they're creeping back in because of the higher rates that somebody instead of paying six or six and a half, they might be able to pay, you know, four and a half percent now for, you know, three years refinance the six and a half at a lower rate down the road. But those adjustable rate mortgages have been so um, underutilized we just don't have that many in the market to see the kind of crash that we saw back, you know, 15 years ago. So, yeah, um, absolutely. But, um, <laughs> my parents were builders in 2008 in Arizona. And so we <clears throat> saw firsthand very much about how the housing crisis um, really dictated things. Um, I think it is a different market that we're in now, but I know there are a lot of concerns about where rates are and where they're going to go. Um, I think this situation is very different than 2008 because of what you just spoke about, because of the essentially um, lenders were uh, not the requirements to get a house. They weren't as strict as they are today. So they were giving out a lot of loans to people that probably shouldn't have qualified for as much as they did. And then if you think about the housing market and industry, when the housing market goes down, that affects a lot of jobs. Um, you know, you have your plumber, you have your carpenter, you have uh, the roofer. So um, uh, an adjustment in the housing industry, it really does trickle down to a lot of different industries as well. Yeah. And I know we're not really talking about the crash back then, but, 
you know, the inventory back then, the number of houses on the market versus the number of buyers, uh, it was, it, there was massive inventory and we're mm -hmm. at a fraction of what that was. And some other stats, I saw that if builders kept building at the rate that they're building now, it's still going to take over 10 years to catch up with the demand. Now, yeah. the higher interest rates have pulled buyers from the market and pulled the demand. But, you know, people will say one of the foreclosures is going to start hitting. I don't think we're going to see the massive foreclosures that we saw because of all of the COVID regulations that went in. You know, back 15 years ago, nobody would have ever said, we'll just stick six months of payments on the back end of the loan and let you not pay anything for six months. Nobody would have ever done that, you know, yeah. and that was pretty frequent back in 2019, 2020 you know, as we're navigating this, this or 2020 navigating this COVID thing. Um, so lenders are working a whole lot better. And just like you said, the lending requirements are so much tighter now. You know, you pretty much have to um, guarantee you're going to name your first two grandchildren after somebody at the bank to be able to get a loan to buy a house. I mean, it's just much more strict instead of you could fog up a piece of glass and get a loan, you know, get a mortgage back then. Yeah. So all those and, factors involved. So, yeah. And I would say as we're talking about like a, an individual that's never bought a house and thinking about that first time home purchase, um, cash is very helpful. And I understand inf inflation is up and cash may seem short, but when you have cash for down payment on a house, when you have cash for closing costs, I know there's a lot of negotiation and probably Jeff can talk to you more about that in regards to the bells and the whistles. Um, but in any, in finance, that's what they say, cash is king. Um, when you buy a house, having cash for furniture or improvements, it's a little bit of a different equation than when you're renting or possibly living at home currently right now. Um, things come up a little bit more when you have a house. And so that flexibility of cash flow can be very helpful because in comparison, when you rent a house and the refrigerator goes out or the plumbing goes out, you know, you're just calling the landlord going, hey, when are you coming? Um, when you own a house, that's a very different conversation because those repairs become your own obligation, whereas insurance only pays for if there is um, an accident or damage or something that was not planned. So yeah. um, that's something to keep in mind as you're navigating, okay, is this a good opportunity for me? Should we wait? Should we look to save a little more and be ready for the long term? But I will tell you that a home is the single largest asset that most Americans have. Um, and so it's definitely, you know, the American dream for a lot of people to of home yeah. home ownership. So they're coming to you and they're going to buy a house. You want to talk to them about credit scores and going to want to talk to them about cash. Because like you just said, if you're buying a $300,000 house, and you're putting down a, you know, a minimum of 3% down payment, or there's $9,000 that you need. And then mm -hmm. closing costs, the loan origination fees, the attorney's fees, the prepaid taxes, prepaid insurance, the recording fees for the local government, you know, county, city, wherever, um, all that stuff could be another three to 4%. So a $300,000 house without any assistance from the lender or any assistance from the seller, uh, that buyer could be looking at needing $20,000 down, you know, yeah. to, to have that cash available. 
form. Absolutely. And just like you said in the budgeting, uh, the reason that the lenders have those um, debt to income ratios is they want to know what kind of margin do you have when you do have to put a new refrigerator in or, mm -hmm. you know, different, you know, paint the outside of the house, just those different things that are, you're taking care. Now that lender is not helping you plan out that budget, but, um, and, and you're building wealth and building equity and hopefully the equity that you're building in that home, when you get ready to resell it outpaces what it's costing you maintenance wise. Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. All right. Well, uh, thanks for being here today. Anything else that you would like uh, home buyers to know about buying, getting ready to buy a home from a financial perspective, or you want to share a little bit about um, Thrivent, if people are looking for a financial planner, markets that you serve, how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. I think owning a house is a wonderful opportunity. It creates a sense of purpose and value. Um, for you as an individual, maybe it's a goal that you have. Um, it starts typically with cash flow. So how much am I making? What are my bills? How much extra do I have? And could I afford the payment that is being proposed for me? Because I would say that um, it's very difficult to be something that they call house poor. Um, where you take on a large payment of a house when perhaps your income isn't quite ready for that. So you just need to think about there, there is and navigate the, the road of just, um, am I ready? Are we financially ready? And then when we are asking questions and getting good advice, I think is very important. Um, finding someone that you trust overall, that uh, your mom, your dad, your brother, um, that you think will also give you unbiased advice, I think is, is a good idea too. Um, in regards to Thrivent, um, I love to help people with their finances so that um, they can live a uh, fulfilling and stress-free, hopefully, uh, life. Maybe not free, but overall, I feel like when our finances are, are in order, um, it also can trickle down and help you in other areas of your life. It can allow you to be more generous. So that is my goal and my initiative overall when it comes to helping people and just helping you understand and navigating the road of, of your financial future. If you don't put 20% down on a house, it, you typically have to pay something called private mortgage insurance. And so um, just doing a little planning or having a little cash flow or setting that goal or, or working a little extra now um, so that you have more cash for later, I think can also be beneficial. Okay. All right. And um, as far as the, the financial planning services that you provide, I know you're Mississippi, <clears throat> uh, Tennessee or anywhere else or just Mississippi. Yeah, I have quite a few um, licenses in various states, Arkansas, okay. Tennessee, Mississippi, um, do need to be licensed in order to um, be able to work with an individual. What I focus on is tax efficient planning. So uh, thinking about all of your funds, um, thinking about all of your benefits, opportunities through in your finances, and really I call it the financial house. Um, just like when you go walk into a house and maybe you're looking to purchase and maybe there's some cracks in that foundation, 
well um, in the same sense in your financial life, if there's some cracks in your financial foundation, um, those are the things that I seek to address first. And then we start to talk about the accumulation side and perhaps the distribution. Some of the things that make up an individual's foundation is like an emergency fund, debt management, cash flow management. So that's your budget, things of that nature. Um, do you have life insurance? Uh, what do you have a will and estate documents in place? So those are items that make up the bottom of your financial house. Um, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not a tax professional. Uh, I'm an advisor of what you do with your money when you get it and how best can we utilize each dollar that we have. Yeah. Hey, well, I'm not a lawyer either. I'm not a financial planner and I'm not a lender, <laughs> but I can help you navigate all of the necessary steps to actually buy a home. Uh, Tanya, thank you so much for being here today. I uh, look forward to um, our long friendship and uh, thanks for helping out today of helping getting some folks ready to buy a home. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a blessed day. You too. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me today on the Get Me Ready to Buy podcast. Hopefully you found all this information helpful to you and it's made a little more sense out of what it takes to actually buy a home and you feel a little bit more confident about your home buying process. Now, again, as I shared in earlier, if I can help you buy a home in the Mid-South or find you an agent wherever you are, just reach out to me at midsouth.homes or whatever link is here on this podcast or uh, down below in the YouTube channel. If you're listening to this on a podcast, I just mentioned the YouTube channel. There is a Get Me Ready to Buy YouTube channel where you can actually watch the podcast if you'd rather do that. If you're watching this on YouTube and you'd rather listen to it, you can find the link to GetMeReadyToBuy.com and you'll find where you can listen to all the podcasts wherever you get podcasts. I hope that you'll also rate and review the show. There's a link here in the notes, in the show notes or here where you can review the show and rate it so that others who are looking to buy a home just like you can find it, especially if you found it helpful. And I would love a five-star review if this has been helpful to you. The other thing you can do is remember to get your score at readytobuyscore.com. And as always, hit the subscribe button so that you are the first to find out the latest information about what it takes for you to be ready to buy a home. Have a blessed day.